boss called me up and said, come in to work. I just hung up on that slave driving jerk. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. Well, you'd think I'd rather be sweating on a dock or watching somebody use a hammerlock. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. It's a decaffeinated and very tired version of Me's D's here today on the B She's Wrestling Show. I'm joined by the Mecca Shane Madison and producer Chris. It's a sad day. At the age of 79 this week, superstar Billy Graham has passed away after what must have been lengthy battles, health battles, because he, in the early 90s, was talking that he thought he was in trouble because of his steroid abuse. And then there was a, was it a liver transplant? Yeah, he had liver yeah. problems. Yeah, he had a li- I think he had a liver transplant. He's been sick off and on for like 20 years. 30, since the early 90s. Yeah, it's been a long time. It's But it's been real serious past 10 years. Like, there's been a couple times where I thought, this is this is it for the guy. And yes. he's, he's pulled through. Well, let's talk about his legacy, as opposed to what he went through in health problems. Let's talk about the fact that he was a WWF world champion who was the last guy to end Bruno Sammartino's reign. He was the transition champion from Bruno Sammartino into Bob Backlund, 1977, and he dropped it in 1978 to Bob Backlund at a time when a lot of people felt very uneasy in the world, in, in Vince McMahon Sr.'s world, that Bob, the transition might not work and they might have to go back to Bruno San Martino. Um, you're the historian, Mecca Shane. Well, you hate being called Mecca Shane. Jeez wheeze. You're the historian. Um, what, are you, what are your reflections on Billy Graham? Most of us will remember him more from his 1980s run, which was not nearly as good as his 1970s run. Right. When, when he won the WWWF championship, I believe... Uh, I believe it was April 30th, 1977, I believe, if you want to be the true historian. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously, I wasn't even born yet. But, um, you know, this week, what I was listening to is a whole bunch of really, like, really awesome um, tributes to him. You know, I mean, you've heard Ric Flair and, uh, uh, you know, uh, Hulk Hogan and, you know, all, all these uh, superstars that... Um, got a lot of their shtick from superstar Billy Graham, you know, uh, triple H said at the WWE hall of fame in 2004, he was 20 years ahead of his time. So, I mean, I have kind of mixed feelings with it because, you know, for sure, don't get me wrong. He made a immense mark on the business and he's, um, you know, he was kind of the one who ushered in that sports entertainment before it was sports entertainment. But like at the same time, like at what cost, you know, I mean, you have to really ask yourself that, like, that's a guy who really sacrificed his body. And then, you know, a lot of years came at the WWE pretty hard Yeah, for things that, you know, they, they, he felt they were responsible for, but you know, I don't know. It's kind of like, I feel kind of like he, he bit the hand that fed him, but yeah. you know, sometimes when you look back with the rose colored glasses, you know, you for sure can see his uh, historical contribution, but it's it's just a weird, weird feeling for me. You know, yeah, it's really hard to say too. I mean, 
he he went through we went through a lot of health battles for a lot of years. Was it worth it to him? Obviously not. But in the grand scheme of things, perhaps it was. Uh, by the way, that date was April thirtieth, nineteen seventy seven. He defeated Pittsburgh fan favorite Bruno Sammartino. I nailed so it. Bang so on. Nailed it. Nailed Bang it. on. Yeah. Uh, as far as his legacy goes, I think it's opening the door for guys like Hulk Hogan and even Randy Savage to a degree, the sort of larger than life, very colorful characters. He, he opened that door. So, so he will be remembered as the first body guy to end up on top because Bruno was considered a body guy and Billy Graham had a better body. Um, trained with Stu Hart, uh, probably could have had a longer run. Then, but they, but the plan was to go to Bob Backlund. So he didn't get a real run. And then he went through severe depression after later on, you would see signs that there was like, nobody's ever said this, but there was mental illness there because when he loses the title in 78, 79, 79, 80, he disappears. Gorilla Monsoon would go as far as to say he died at that time. And is that when he did the karate master he comes back gimmick? as yeah. the karate master many years, like a few years later, he does a short run in Crockett somewhere in there where yeah. he still had long hair and the tie dye. Then he comes back as the karate master. And the thing about Billy Graham is he, you, you touched on it. What he happened in the nineties after he's brought back in the late eighties and he was in no, see when a guy comes back at that age, he's got to be honest with Vince and say, listen, I can't do the road. And then maybe Vince wouldn't have hired him. But they hired him thinking there was one last run with him. He was him. 44 at that time. Unbroken. When, when he was with The Rock. Yeah, yeah Don, Don Morocco. Morocco. And so that doesn't, it didn't go well. Then they tried to transition with color commentator. That didn't work. Babyface manager, that didn't work. And then he's nowhere, like there's nothing for him. So what was Vince supposed to do? So they like get him off contract. 1991, during the steroid scandal, he is front and center saying steroids are killing me and it's all thanks to Vince McMahon. The problem is it didn't make sense what v Billy Graham was saying. He's saying, oh, it's all steroids and it's all this. But in 77, 78, I don't think, Vin and it was legal at the time, I don't think Vince McMahon Jr. had any clout to go up to him and say, get on steroids. He Nobody gave Vince McMahon Jr. that kind of respect in the late 70s. He was just Vince McMahon Sr.'s son. And then in the late 80s, when Vince tried to be generous to him and give him a job, he then used everything he could to turn it against Vince. He was the loudest critic. And I think, unfortunately, when we talk about the legacy, you got to talk about why it was tough times for him after the, the early 90s. And even then, they still got him back on contract in a Legends deal in the mid-2000s. That shows Vince's propensity to show forgiveness, that he got him back on Legends deal, got him into the Hall of Fame, tried his best to make amends long-term, and it didn't work. Well, I think w with those types of guys, Vince knows that they're maybe it's not as personal as they're making it out to be. Maybe it's more about the fact that they need a payday and that's why they're coming at them hard with legal stuff. And these guys, are, and, the, and, and it's the truth, these guys are needing a payday. So they're trying to get one in any means necessary. So I think Vince is showing he's very forgiving, as you said. It's just, yeah. it's just a weird one because it's like everything that he had was because of that persona and yep. Vince McMahon. And well, Vince Sr. Vince Sr. And then when things start going sideways and his health starts failing him, I mean, he's almost like, like, look what you've done to me. But it's like, you know, I, I don't know. I'm I inclined have... to think in the 70s, he did it himself. Well, yeah. They're, because they're... he was, he was competing. He, I, did he not compete with Arnie or like he? I'm not sure. Anyway, he was a bodybuilder like and inspired by Arnold Schwarzenegger. And 
there was nobody in this. It was completely legal. It was Wild West. Do what you wanted. Yeah. So if you wanted to pump yourself full of steroids, no problem. If that led to health problems later on, it had nothing to do with Vince Jr. Yeah, and it's just nothing. Tough. It's, it's just that tough. grudge was weird. And it's tough to see somebody who's like having a GoFundMe account and I have no money and this and that. And it's like, man, like it's almost like you you kind of. Abdullah yeah. the Butcher's doing the same thing now, too. Yeah, I mean, this is, sounds kind of cold, but it's like kind of like I can't really feel super sorry for some people who kind of put themselves through that. Yeah. But at the same time, I definitely respect their It's lifestyle choices. Like, and, and here we are. We're talking about a guy who passes away as a Hall of Fame legend, mm-hmm. and we could talk about his impact in the matches with Dusty Rhodes, his matches with Bruno, his matches with Bob Backlund. Um Later on, what he, what he was, he wasn't able to do it in the 80s and he still kept trying because he needed to make a living. But it, it, the negative and the positive, it's very hard as a scale to look at this as a completely positive story, even though, and it's the wrong time to say this, but it's, we're being real. We don't know him, so it's a little different. But uh, yeah, what he, the 90s is, is impossible to ignore. And he competed, I uh, just looked it up, he competed through the 60s, 70s, and 80s in bodybuilding competitions. In the 80s? In the 80s. He was up to 325 pounds, and he competed in uh, the World's Strongest Man competition See? In, in New Jersey. Best producer in the business for a reason. <laughs> um, love it. Thank you, Chris. Um, so in the case of Billy Graham, remember when we had Gary Michael Capetto on, and I asked him the question, uh, if Billy Graham could have had a longer run, because... There's a lot of people that that's a big debate. Did they get it off of him too quickly? Did they transition to Bob too quickly? The problem with Bob Backlund, and this is a slightly different subject. Bob Backlund wins it from Billy Graham. He holds it too long. He like he, the law of diminishing returns and whoever was booking him in 1983 was booking him to lose the title. Like he does the angle where they break the belt and he cries on TV <laughs> Your top babyface cannot cry and weep like a child. Well, they, on were television. Try, they were trying to do that all American boy gimmick at the time, were they not? Well, I don't know, but they, he buzzed his hair, and, and they were wanting somebody, quote unquote, legitimate yeah. as their world champion is in what, the late seventies. Is what they were doing, and then Vince takes over, and he wants a comic book character. Yes. And that's why Hulk Hogan. Yeah, it's always been debated if Hulk, if Hulk Hogan doesn't take the belt in '84. Let's say he loves his deal in Japan and him and Vern decide they're going to stay in bed together. Who does Vince go to to usher in the rock and wrestling era, the WrestleMania era? Have you ever thought about that? No, I never have, but that is a great question. I don't think it happens without Oh, yeah, it happens. With who? Vince McMahon would have found the baby. He knew Bob Backlund was not going to carry much longer, and Jimmy Snuka couldn't. Because of what happened in with with the girl Nancy Nancy Argentino, yeah. yeah. So he so Bob. If you watch in eighty three to eighty four, Backlund gets de elevated to a massive degree, and Jimmy Snuka goes AWOL. Sergeant Slaughter becomes the top babyface up until probably mid eighty four, early eighty five. Hogan's the champion, but Sergeant Slaughter's drawing some great business. So maybe they go to Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah. I don't think Cosmetically, so. Cosmetically, he didn't have he didn't that have what Vince look. was looking for. Well, so, but it, it's again, you know, I, Chris, I might agree with you here. It might not have happened. No, but Vince was going to look for the guy he was going to try. Sure, he was going to look, but Hogan was lightning in a bottle. You, like Vince, charisma, yeah, size, sure, showmanship. Like those things. Let's let's go here. And a guy who could wrestle, actually, if Al- you've ever seen his Japanese matches. Alternative histories. 
does Vince go after? He was trying to get the Von Erichs at this time. Does he go make Kerry Von Erich the world heavyweight champion? I don't know if Kerry has that He doesn't, doesn't. So it won't work. Then here's the second one. Dusty goes in 83 from Florida to Crockett to be Booker. Does Vince throw a, a whole lot of money at Dusty to make him no. the world champion? I can't see it. Why not? That may Dusty work. Dusty had drawn big money it, it in work, Madison Square he's, Garden. He's not a body guy. And Vince at That's this time was, was a big body guy. So give so, me a scenario. I, I don't have one to be Rocky honest. Johnson? No. No. By that point. Can't talk. By that point, Rocky. No, was And he, he was, was embroiled around. in scandal by 85. By 85. I don't think there is a guy who hits all those key components. No, and the proof is in the pudding. Vince has tried to make the next Hulk Hogan several times, and it never happened with the Ultimate Warrior. It didn't happen with Lex Luger because you can't make somebody like Hulk Hogan. So I'm going to tell you, he failed Ultimate Warrior. Ultimate Warrior he, he did not Lex fail Luger Vince. Too. He failed Lex Luger too. Uh, no, Lex didn't have the stamina to get to SummerSlam. He Lex turns babyface July 4th and doesn't make it to SummerSlam with heat. Well, well Lex did it to himself, too. Uh, like, he well, was a pain that, in the ass to deal with. Yeah, <laughs> and that stupid bus gimmick, too, him traveling around on a Which bus. Which actually over. should have worked because you're putting him in front of the people to like, it, so Vincent envisioned, wow, it's amazing how this goes from Billy Graham to Lex Luger, <laughs> but body guys on top, right? Yeah. So Vince envisioned a political campaign where the guy continues to get momentum by rubbing elbows and taking pictures and smiling. If Lex Luger had done all that without bitching and being absolutely miserable at those meet and greets, it would have worked. Yeah. yeah. Because his work is marginally better than Hogan's, I would say. Luger? Yeah. Well, I, Luger doesn't get enough credit for some of the matches he had. 89, he was on fire. But, but, but by, by the 90s... I don't know yeah. if he was a good enough baby face. I think he was better as a heel, personally. Like when he was the United States champion in the... Was it 89? 89. He, he, he had a hell of a run. See, part of the problem with him, Lex Luger we're talking about, part of the problem with Lex Luger was his run where he chases Flair is shared with Sting. The yeah. two baby faces chasing the one heel. It was shared. And and Vin, and Flair goes to put over Sting, and then Sting gets hurt, and then he he doesn't do the job for Luger when Luger's white hot and people want it in Baltimore yeah. in 90. No, that's... 91, 90. That's a great question, and that's something... We might want to put that out to the listeners. Like, if yeah, not give Hogan, us the scenario. Who, if, who in 1983, Hulk Hogan refuses to leave Vern Gagne and stay in, stays in Japan... Who do they go to as their new number one? Some of the names on the roster, baby faces, Tito Santana's embroiled in the Intercontinental title. Ricky Steamboat comes over that's somewhere around there. But again, no charisma. I know. That's the problem. You have to have yeah. all those three things. Although Ricky Steamboat, if Vince pivots and decides, okay, Bob's done as champion, the next guy is Ricky Steamboat. That Because he could I replace think. the Bob Backlund mold of, as champion. Um, he would have done it better than Bob Backlund, to be honest. I think Ricky Steamboat. I don't know. Bob Backlund drew a lot of good business in New I, York. I, I don't love think Bob, Ricky Steamboat. I love Bob Backlund, but I just think Ricky Steamboat has slightly more charisma than Bob Backlund. Well, yes, I would agree. Um, this, like, it, it's a very fascinating subject. Some of the biggest names in the business at that time who are baby faces are Snuka, who has to leave because there's too much scandal after what happened. Um. Ivan Putsky, no. No. Too short. Um, it's not a lot to choose from. No. So let's, let's talk about... Paul Orndorff, but he was a heel. Like, well, Paul, wasn't he a heel at WrestleMania 1? Yes, he yeah. was. Yeah, Paul Orndorff is not a bad option. That's not a bad option. Yeah. That's not a bad option. So like, let's talk about underrated body guys then. 
That's probably the closest I would say. That would yeah, probably I don't be think my they could have got it though. Hogan was way more charismatic yeah, agreed, than the people. But like, if you're the closest thing he at that time, mm-hmm. I would say, and Paul Orndorff was a legit badass. Like, mm-hmm. you did not want to get into a shoot with him. Ask Vader. See, I wonder if Paul Orndorff, Roddy Piper, could have been that hot of an angle with Piper as the heel. The problem is Piper would have outshone Roddy or uh, uh, yeah. Paul Orndorff. Paul Orndorff didn't have the charisma to keep up with the Roddy. See, Hogan had just enough charisma to keep up with the Roddy. That that angle could have went either way. Going into the Hogan Piper era, they could have easily, if if Vince had been comfortable with the heel champion, Piper could have carried the, the top spot. But they didn't believe in babyface chases, so Hogan's the top guy. It's a it's an amazing conversation. It started with Billy Magnum Graham. Magnum TA is another one. Eighty four, yeah. he would have been awfully green. Yeah, I, yeah, at 84, though, I don't know if he'd have been... I think he'd already been the UWF champion. That's not a bad name, though, too. That's, yeah. MTA. that's a good, you know, he, that's a and, and I guarantee you in 84, Vince McMahon would have looked under every rock and said, there's the guy, let's... But luckily, Hogan was never going to turn down Vince's offer. Like, just the, the way that presentation would have went is... We're the first company that's ever going to do merchandising. You're going to be famous in New York City on Madison's in uh, Times Square. You're going to have your own wrestling figure, never been done. You're going to be, you're not going to ha- be responsible for your cheap t-shirts. We're going to mass produce your t-shirts and you're going to make $2 a shirt or whatever it was Hogan made. It was an insane amount. You won't have to shill pictures. We have a merchandising company that's going to make you a megastar. You're going to main event, um, you're going to main event Madison Square Garden, I think, six times a year. You're We're going to feed you every heel in the world, and you're going to win decisively. So we're you're going to make a cartoon yeah, of you. You're not yeah. going to be in that political situation where Vern Gagne doesn't think you're the guy, and you keep in this angle with Nick Bockwinkle where you're never clearly winning. There's no way he was going to turn that down. Vern and Greg Gagne deserved to lose Hulk Hogan in 1983. Yeah, because I would not. Because when he was white hot in Minnesota, they thought, well, let's milk it a little longer. When get the belt on him and see how it goes. You got to know when to make the title change. Well, let me ask you guys this. And you being the historian, you might know, did Hulk Hogan, was he ever in talks with NWA? No. No. No, and he didn't fit their mold. He didn't fit their mold, but I could just... I, I, Thinking of the guys that the NWA had at the time, he could have been because re- he could work. People, people, well, always, it's the one of the most knock on Hogan is that everyone says the same thing as John Cena. He don't, he only knows five moves. Yeah, no, no that, he only needed five moves. You want to know the most disgusting miscalculation in the history of the wrestling business? The theory after 81, Vince McMahon Sr. thought Hulk Hogan would never turn into a wrestler. By 83, he's gone to Japan and he picked it up. Yeah, he picked it up real good. And then he learned the psychology of the Hulk Hogan character. Sell, sell, sell. Hulk up. Get the people behind you. Go into a finish. That's why he had a long career. I mean, he had he's had lots of injuries. But, I mean, can you imagine the type of injuries he would have had if he'd have worked a Ricky Steamboat style? Yes. Being that size or, you know, any, any other style other than his own. So some of the smart people who listen to the show, and they're smarter than me. Yep. They need to tell me who it should have been in 84 if, or in 80, January of 84 if Hulk Hogan does not beat Iron Sheik for the title. Is it Sergeant Slaughter? Is it somebody else? It would probably have been somebody from outside the company just like Hogan. I can't imagine it. It would not have been Snooka. I can tell you right now. Maybe I don't think they could have turned Don Morocco babyface at that point. 
He might have been good, but I don't think they could have flipped him fast yeah, enough. My vote goes to Orndorff or Magnum TA. That would be the only two uh, in the uh, realm, and that and they're still not. Hulk see, Hogan. based only on look, I almost think Kerry Von Erich, but he can't talk. I'm voting. I would have to vote Paul Orndorff over Magnum TA because Magnum would have been too green at the time. Paul Orndorff was a solid hand, and that pile driver was over. Yeah, okay. I would vote for Paul Orndorff. There you go. There you go. What about Chris? You? Well, I don't have, I, I actually think, I don't have a vote of who I would go to, but I actually have what I believe Vince would have been forced to go to. And I think Dusty was the hottest guy in the business at that time. He goes from Florida, which was on fire, thanks to his booking, to go be the booker at Crockett. And because of politics, he never gets to put himself on top because Flair's the guy. I think that, I think Vince might've thought, let's see how much, Gas is in the dusty tank. Even there. though cosmetically he doesn't look the part, he definitely could talk them into the building. And you can get a lot of a lot of sympathy on Dusty selling for those big heels and making his comeback with the elbows. I think that's likely where Vince goes, but it's impossible to say. Like the other one is, do they just double down on the Bob Backlund type baby face and go to Steamboat who couldn't talk? I don't think that would have worked for the car- cartoon no. era. And does right. WrestleMania even happen? Well, no, if WrestleMania only happens thanks to the Cindy Lauper effect and Piper, it honestly was Piper who was hotter than yeah. Hogan as a heel that gave Hogan all the steam mm-hmm. to go into but Mania. Can you imagine that? If there's no WrestleMania, we're not sitting here doing this podcast. No, probably not. Like, imagine that. Yeah. I, I can't imagine what the, the world would look like. We'd have a lot more free time. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, before we go down another road, just just the, idea, just the idea of Dusty, though, how different the world world that we're in right now might look if if they would have went to Dusty. So George Scott was the booker, and George Scott was the booker in the Carolinas before that, which is why Ricky Steamboat makes a lot of sense. Was Ricky Steamboat in for WrestleMania one? Yep. Who does he wrestle in Mania? I believe it was the Executioner? Was that? No, I think that was Tito. He was in WrestleMania 1. I remember that. Okay. Uh, Tito wrestled the Executioner? Yes, I'm pretty sure first, Tito. Maybe he was the first match. Ricky and David Steamboat. San Martino was in WrestleMania. Yeah, he was. Because that was the only way they could get Bruno to do it, I think. Yeah. yeah. Chris is Googling away to see. Well, that's... I can't, he, I can't remember. Finder Chris. I, I love it. I can't remember who it was, but Ricky Steamboat, I can confirm for sure. Yeah, 100%. so Steamboat... See, that's... George Scott would have made the play for Steamboat to become the top baby face. Is it of Matt, Matt, Matt Bourne? Bourne? Matt yeah, Bourne. Okay. I was going to say Matt so Bourne. So Steamboat becomes... Doink the Clown. Future in in the that clown. alternative reality, Steamboat becomes the top face with... And I would have bet you anything, they changed the formula away from heels that are huge to heels like Orndorff who can work to work with to work with uh, a, a baby face. Well, that's what I was getting at with the dust, Dusty thing. If Dusty comes in, maybe this body revolution doesn't happen until... It's still going to happen, but it doesn't happen until... Several years later. Well, I guarantee you this. If Dusty wins the title in 84, he loses it by 86. He does not go to 88. He, they, they don't get to Dusty versus Andre. Maybe they, actually, maybe they could have. Andre is a heel against Dusty. But that's, I have a feeling yeah. that's where Vince would have gone because he would have liked the charisma. Um, it, maybe, oddly enough, superstar Billy Graham might have been in that conversation too in 83. Although I don't think he would have had the gas to go back on top and work all those matches could have been a transitional guy though again yeah maybe yeah. as a baby face 
Yeah. I don't know. With that character, I would go babyface. Great but... debate, guys. Yeah. All right. Uh, if you Did got, not if, expect if, to be talking about this today. No. If anybody wants to weigh in on it, they can do so. Uh, Bees She's Wrestling on Instagram. Bees She's Wrestling on Facebook. Total Bees She's on Twitter. Total Bees She's at gmail.com is email. Send us an email. And or, that's a great segue. Yeah. I want you to talk about the email we got this week. Um, we, we got an email this week criticizing our conversation <laughs> last week uh, about on Tessa Blanchard and Marty Skrull. It was more heavily about the, the Marty Skrull. It seemed I like they were calling us deaf. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that's what they were. I think they were calling us tone deaf to these issues. Okay. And I personally didn't want to talk about it, but we're going to talk about it right now. I think the heavier hitting, the better. I think it's a good time to talk about it. And so, what we said last week about Marty Skrull, we did not have, we don't, we didn't know. And I I, I said that clearly. I did not know why he was canceled. I said, be careful. I think he's been canceled. Yeah. This person went as far as to tell us why he was canceled. And if what the emailer says is accurate, I have no qualms with what he says. And if, if the allegation is painted as it was, great. What we said about Tessa Blanchard, wasn't, hey, ignore what she did as an early 20s female athlete. We did not say ignore why there's controversy. What we said is what she did on a tour with the CWE is a fresh start, and it's something that she should be proud of. And every single fan from Dave Cote to... So many people from Richard Brown, people who listen to the show, the feedback I got was she was interactive with the fans. She was an amazing performer and an all-around good person. Okay? So let me say this. I can't judge what I wasn't there to see. Right? Whatever. If you want to pile on in the cancel culture movement and say, I heard this or I read this, and therefore I'm judging that person, that's all good and fine. I can't say that because I didn't read a lot about it. I didn't see it. I didn't really hear about it. But what I did hear from is from a bunch of Bees She's listeners in Saskatchewan and in Rivers, Manitoba, who said she went over and above to be professional. So you know what? Let's judge her on that, the late, the latest chapter for now, until she reoffends. Now, people will call me a hypocrite because I say Adam Knight should never wrestle again. But I base that on pattern of abuse. Not one, not two, but pattern of abuse. So, you know, maybe I need to change my philosophy and say, okay, Adam Knight, go back to wrestling because maybe everyone deserves another chance, right? Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. And I think what what we said, and I had, I listened back to the show after we record, right? And And I thought that, Mike, first of all, I thought you articulated that perfectly on the show. Um, I think what we, the long and the short of it is, as someone likes to say, um, if these things did indeed happen, and again, I wasn't there. We don't know who was there. We've heard all sorts of things. If these things happen, we in no way condone any of that type of behavior, which we mentioned last week. Not something we condone. There are certain instances where there is no coming back from, you know, for sure. For sure. Um, However, what we are saying is, if you're going to, quote unquote, cancel somebody, you have to treat everybody fairly. And that would be Hulk Hogan. That would be Matt Riddle. Michael Hayes. Michael Hayes. J.D. McDonough. Rocky Johnson. Vince McMahon. We can go on and on and on. Isn't there the video of Vince McMahon saying it? Sure there is. There's all sorts of stuff. Mark Wahlberg. 
And you know what? We're not, and there isn't that standard of treatment. That's, no, no. And that's what we're saying. If you're going to, you know, say this about somebody when these other people who did, you know, allegedly the same types of things, why are they still gainfully employed and these people can't get a job? That is the only thing that we're saying. Take that into consideration. And so many times you hear this. Well, it's not the 1970s anymore. So because you made the mistake of doing it in 2000 and whatever year, 21, 2019, it's worse. It's, it, I don't know that that's the case. I think the problem is maybe she learned from it. Maybe, maybe Tessa understands, God, I should never have done that. Or if I was put in that situation again, I would handle it this way, this way, this way, this way. Either way, if you don't give her another opportunity and understand what she, what she's alleged to have done, it's an offense that it's, it's not something that leads to somebody giving up their entire career over, in my opinion. And has she done it since? I don't think so. So would that, that would make her a chronic offender. So yeah, I, I think the fact was she showed up for eight straight days wrestled eight straight matches in tough situations. She got off a plane and got right to a, an event late, performed really well. I think give give a benefit of the doubt here. That That's all we're talking about. We're not even talking about, really, last week, we're not talking about her past defenses. We're not talking, we're talking. And on the Marty Skrull thing, she, we didn't even, like, we weren't clear what, we just knew he got canceled. We don't know why. And yeah, it's not like we're sitting there following every page of this guy's life. And I'd heard a little bit about it, but I hadn't, you know, like I said, I wasn't there. I haven't seen anything from a, you know, a reputable source. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm sure it did. But I've been, I've been accused of being racist by a business, a, a business competitor before because it suited him to be able to say I was racist that because I was competing with him, I did not like his heritage. That was not anywhere near accurate. I didn't like him as a person. But it had nothing to do with his heritage. It had to do with his action, his the things he did, and then play victim when we were doing a better job of competing against him. Yeah, and I think it's not, an ugly thing when you get accused of that when you don't right. honestly feel it. Now that's apples to oranges because apparently there was a slur there for for Tessa. Yeah, it's and we're not sitting up and specifically defending anybody here. We're not defending no. Marty Skrull or Tessa or Hulk Hogan or whoever. We're not defending anybody. We're not condoning anybody no. like that. But we're just these were the two people we happened to discuss yeah. that raised a few eyebrows. And we're reporting on the facts. Every bit of feedback I personally got from her performances in every town, they were very impressed and they thought they got their money's worth. That's the most important part. All right, that seems like a good spot to leave it. Yeah. Hey, why don't we ask, what are we at for time? <laughs> we are at 30 minutes. You stole my line. Good. <laughs> you missed it. I thought Chris just cut it off there. This episode of Be She's Wrestling is powered by First Row Collectibles, Canada's online and in-person collectible store, where you'll find the coolest sports cards, autographs from your favorites, and of course, wrestling collectibles galore. As a loyal Bees She's Wrestling listener, you can get a discount on your purchase using the code Bees She's. That code is B-E-E-Z. S-H-E-E-Z, one word, to get 10% off. Visit the store online, firstrow.ca, or instead of click and order, go brick and mortar. Meet the guys at First Row in person, 1835 Main Street, Winnipeg, Manitoba. First Row Collectibles, Canada's online and in-person collectible store.
This is Mr. Beefy Goodness Vance Nevada, the author of Uncontrolled Chaos, Canada's Remarkable Professional Wrestling Legacy, on sale now. And you're listening to Bees, She's Wrestling. Well, you know there, our trivia has become a very popular segment, um, but our our partnership has ended, so we are working on getting a new partner for trivia, so it will be back next week. Next Maybe week not already. next week. Maybe not next week, but soon. We need to reevaluate some options. We're going to reevaluate some options. We're, We're working f- on a couple things. Yes. So, so I have a break that. then, is what you're saying. Yeah, you don't have to come up with a question. Oh, I want to thank... Man. The previous sponsor, Main Event Munchies, though, thank you for supporting us. Our listeners who won all have said what a great bag, uh, what a great flavor the bag was. So do you, so do you. Yeah, I love so Main do Event I. Munchie. I'm still going to buy my bags when I see them. And uh, Brad Sarna, I think he liked his bag. And and uh, Derek Lowen and countless other winners that we delivered to. So um, we thank Main Event Munchies for making the trivia very fun and Good luck to them. And if you see their product right now, I think they're available at Primo's. Lavarandre Bowl. On Portage Avenue. Laver- say it again. Lavarandre Bowl. See, I'm not sure if I Desmuron. can say that word. Yeah, Desmuron. Well, I'm, saying, I'm, saying, I'm saying it the very Anglophone way. I'm sure yeah. there's a French way to say it properly. Yes. How, what's the Lazy Carn way? I don't know. I, I know how to. Larise Bowl. But good luck to Main Event Munchies. And maybe one day again that they'll come back and it'll be good. But hope so. Yeah. It was flavorful bags, definitely. Um, just in the break, we were having a just a funny conversation that started. We it's like we have nothing but time as I'm decaffeinated and tired tonight. Um, we were talking about Mark and Jay Briscoe and how they came to Winnipeg for CWE. And you were mentioning that I I think it was 2009, but you think it's 2010. You're the historian. Maybe it was 10. I I can't. I seem no, to you remember, think it was 10. I think it was nine. I seem to remember it being cold outside because we went to the. They were at the Palomino Club. Did they, they come in twice, maybe? No. Because I, I seem to remember them coming in the summer of 2009. I was at a, was a, I was at a football game with Dave Bastel. Maybe it was August. And we went after the show to go. We went to the show after the game just so that Bastel could visit or see Wayne Stanton. Yeah. I and I think that was the Briscoe show, but I could be wrong. And but they got into a shoot with each other outside of the Palomino Club. It was hilarious. Over women? No, just over drinking. <laughs> it was awesome. And from there, Great that, that's amazing. And Because I mistook it with another story where you and I were at a Bomber game in 2010. And I was negotiating with Gene Snitsky to come in for WFX. And again, Gene Sneeze. Gene <laughs> Sneeze. And so here's how that went. I had been told, he contacted Charlie Haas and a few other guys. And he said he wanted to come up. Get me a book. Get me a book in Winnipeg. So they all called. They said, Gene Snitsky wants to come in. Gene Snitsky looks like a million dollars. So I was going to try to pull the trigger on it. So I go back, but I, I was pretty, I didn't want to screw up the pay structure and the pay structure at that time, cause we were running regularly was $500 $600 us per guy, top guy. So I go to him and I said, listen, I'm going to get you in that range. I'm going to get you five fifty. And he's like, that's insulting. I don't leave my house for less than a thousand dollars. And I said, well, then you don't leave your house for me. <laughs> and I just moved on. Right. Cause at the time I wasn't that crazy about Gene Snitsky. I was close to pulling the trigger to get Vis, big Vis, uh, Mabel. And so the deal was on Mabel, we were going to have him come in as the biggest unadvertised attraction of all time based on size. Tough to hide. Yeah, that. exactly. Yeah. So how do you fly him into Winnipeg? So where the deal broke down on Mabel wasn't, or Vis wasn't financial. 
he was very accommodating to the offer. The problem was that he needed two seats and Jeff Dick back what, in the Rikishi. What did he say? What did Jeff say? Ah, ah, <laughs> we had that problem with Kishi. Ah, ah, I, I, I just, I'm not paying for first class. I'm not buying two seats. He should be able to upgrade with his points. And he's right. Like, because those guys fly enough that they can get the upgrade on points. And that's what he was saying. Let's buy the one seat. He does the upgrade. However he does it, maybe he works it. He comes. But we realize <laughs> if we fly him to the Winnipeg airport, this very large black man is <laughs> with not, a white mohawk. Yeah. Like he's, it's going to be pretty hard to keep him under wraps in Winnipeg. How do we get him in the night before? He doesn't stand out. Hey, stay in your freaking hotel room and don't come out like you're in the witness protection program and you're about to testify against the mobster tomorrow, please. So the thing was, and, and apparently the story on him was that if you got him all the, all the porn channels, he would have stayed in this hotel room. That's <laughs> oh. the famous story about him. So the deal was going to be that we were going to get him into Fargo or Grand Forks and then send Cole Creasy, who was our, our driver, to bring him in across the line and get him into Winnipeg. Not in the trunk. Not in the trunk. In the trunk. That was Marty Gennetti. <laughs> but we were going to get him... What kind of car would you need for that? We were going to get him into the, into the city without many people knowing and keep him under wraps until... Which the hard part in a guy like that is he's always going to be hungry. This is before Skip the Dishes. So you got to figure out how, how he's going to feed himself, right? I, or you're going to cover his meals, which could become extremely costly. But he was going to become the largest... <laughs> unadvertised attraction of all time. Maybe not a bigger name than Larry Zabisco, but he was larger than Larry Zabisco. So that, that was that. Um, let's talk AEW quickly. Big uh, week. It was a big week. They announced that AEW collision is starting. They ripped off Monday nitro for their graphics and they did an amazing job at that. I love it. I think it looks and we, outstanding. We, we should post a side by side on our social. That's why I gave it to you guys. It has Ready been Hell yeah. the best month for any company ever in the history of the wrestling business not named WWE, AEW can lay claim to that in the month of May. They sold a shit ton of tickets to, she's ton, of tickets too late. to uh, <laughs> Wembley. Wonder what they're at right now. I don't know, but I'm going to tell you some ticket numbers as this segment goes on. But they sold a, a she's ton of tickets for Wembley, mm -hmm. and they announced the biggest TV deal ever signed for a company not named WWE for wrestling. They are now instantly profitable. They are immensely profitable. Nothing could go wrong for this company, but someone please explain the following. In the month of May, on May 13th, they had the lowest viewership in the history of AEW Rampage with 284,000 viewers. Ooh. One thing I noticed when they in the press releases in the upfront, they said wrestling is going to two nights now. So they're talking about Wednesday and Saturday, and Friday is already forgotten. Rampage will get canceled. Eventually. It will get canceled. Yeah. Well, it's going to be hard for them to do the tape show, but we'll see what happens. Also in the month of May, exactly May 3rd, the lowest viewership of AEW Dynamite since June 2022, with only 776,000 viewers. And their lowest turnout ever for a house show was May 13th. I don't know what town it was, but only 884 tickets sold. So you got to take the good with the bad. Yep. But as much as you're going to sit there and ride the wave of going into a foreign market and selling a huge amount of tickets for Wembley, and as much as you're going to take ride the wave that your television is worth that much money, 
How are you going to, what this is, is an indictment of the booking of Tony Khan going into what should have been a major pay-per-view. And the summer pay-per-view has always been a major pay-per-view. They have nothing that's hot, nothing. And they, and, and that's really what that's, that speaks to, to me. You see what they did with the Don Callis thing this week? They're like, here no, from didn't. Don Callis. And Don Callis comes out and he just says, he basically says like two lines and then your buddies, Moxley, comes out with the Blackpool Combat Club and uh, and the Elite come out with Hangman Page. So they're reunited. Oh. So they're doing anarchy in the arena. I don't, I don't know why they didn't do a blood and guts match. Instead, I thought that's what they were build, building towards. What were the two lines? Anything memorable? He just basically said... Uh, what did I do to Kenny Omega? He's like, what What didn't I do for Kenny Omega? I did the Tokyo Dome. I got him this. I got him that. And then, like, literally it was two lines, and then... Well, that's AEW but, from start to finish. But it was like they're just blowing through. Like, they're just dropping that. That's what... When I left that segment, I was thinking, okay, they're so just So Callis isn't going to be with the with Moxley? Nope. No. He wasn't with them last night. They just, so what's his new role going to be? They just dropped it. It's It looked to me like they were just... So maybe he's getting turfed? No, I think they'll keep him on behind scenes. I don't know what for, but uh, I think they'll keep him on behind was scenes. Was he going to manage... But he was in the main event segment, the that final segment, the final quarter and hour. And that was the big twist. Yeah. He so, goes on with seven minutes left in the show. It doesn't make sense because his role as a manager and now as a super heel manager is that... Everybody should want Kenny Omega to get to him. That's basic booking 101. And if they drop it, they're dropping the ball. Unless and he's I'm transitioning not a booker, to be a color commentator. That was I, the first thing they announced about Dynamite this week was, we'll hear from Don Callis. That was the first thing they announced. That's what everybody <laughs> was tuning in for. And then it was in the So the he's last... not on either side. He no. just decided, don't I know. don't want to manage Kenny Omega. There's got to be more to it. Need to, I hope so. I hope there is more. It needs to be laid out for three months I, where eventually Kenny Omega gets his, and then Don goes to commentary. After Kenny Omega tunes him up, mm-hmm. Don becomes a com or whatever. I have more numbers here for you. Go Let's ahead. It shows the trends. Forbidden Door 2 in Toronto on, Jan- on June 25th is sold out. 12,884 tickets are sold. Dynamite in Hamilton on June 28th has 3,279 tickets out. That's collision. That's collision. No, it's three days after Forbidden Door. I believe that. I believe that'll be taped. No, I think that's a Thursday, isn't it? June 28th? Check the schedule there. But I I think June 28th is the Wednesday. It's supposed to be Dynamite. Because that was listed as a collision date on their graphic. So maybe you're right. I looked to me like that was going to be a taped Either way, 3,279 in a market that used to be very heavy for WWE. Southern Ontario, too. Not far from Toronto. Dynamite on July 5th in Edmonton has 4,861 tickets out. Their last taping for WWE was a SmackDown, and they did 14,000. Saturday Um, night taping in Regina on July 8th has... A pitiful 1,280 tickets oh. sold. And that, have you been, I was at that arena, the Brant Center. Yeah. Last, oh, it's not nice. No. It's not going to look good on TV. No. So there, it's an AEW Dynamite and Rampage. What's the night? What night is June it? June 28th in Hamilton. Is it oh, a, so it's a Wednesday. Why would, Wednesday. They, why would they put that on the collision graph? That's going to be a long night of okay. taping too. Yeah. Collision is night before in Toronto. What? Or no, collision is. That's Forbidden Door. But they've got a collision as well in Toronto. Okay, so they're taping the collision in Toronto, and they're just going to do the Dynamite live okay. in Hamilton. Yeah. Okay, so, and then here's another one for you. Dynamite in Saskatoon on July 12th has 2,305 tickets sold. And they can't even cancel these. No, because they're now TVs. Right, so maybe and they're it's hoping with the... Announcement it, is TV. Yeah. It should. 
You know, and I'll tell you, I'm going to tell you a story about that because someone was hounding me about the bus tour that I said we could do. And it just is, I'll tell you the why it's cost prohibitive. But anyway, Saturday night TV, we'll go, but I'm not, the bus is going to be tough. The Saturday night TV taping in Calgary on July 15th has 3,034 tickets out. Hopefully they get a shot in the arm now that these are TVs. And that's with the Owen Hart Cup finals. Yes. And it's now officially a TV before it was supposed to be a house show. As for the bus tour, we will try for a future event. Let me tell you why. So... 55 people have to pay for this bus to even, otherwise I'm paying for a bus that's not even full. I'm not doing that. Then with hotels for a Saturday night stay in Regina, you're looking at maybe as much as 200 a room. Yeah, that's it's not easy. That's why we need, especially for wrestling fans. We need a fair amount of time to work on it. So even if you do dual occupancy, you're looking already at 250 money out and then the ticket price. Yeah. So we're looking at $325. I did not feel comfortable saying 55 people are going to give me $300 to make this work. Then somebody said, well, cancel the hotel and this works. We'll bust their bus back. Well, that's not what I want to do. If I'm going, I'm spending the night in Regina. And so it just, it it was cost prohibitive. What I didn't anticipate was the cost of hotels being so major right now that no hotel could say, hey, we'll gladly sell you 24 rooms on a Saturday night during wedding season in Regina. It just, it just, the prices just weren't coming in our favor. So I might still be in Regina. You might still it's be my in birthday. Regina. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm happy celebrating the Mecca's birthday live from Regina. If sure. you come to Regina, maybe we'll do a podcast I, from Regina. I feel like we have to now. Well, I'm not kidding. Me- Mecca's birthday in we, Regina? Yeah, we can't commit to that yet, but um, I think that... Like I did talk to somebody in the AEW office directly about working with them, about helping promote some tickets. And the vibe I got was, it's not that bad. And I see that number and it's, it's bad. Yep. It's real bad. (laughs) Even if you doubled that number, it's bad. That's, that's why I'm saying perhaps in the future, there will be an opportunity because if it does poorly, maybe they're going to be like, "Hmm, maybe we should have listened to We would do better if they do Fargo to do a bus trip. Honestly. Yeah, but that, that dollar is crazy. That yeah. exchange, it's terrible. Yeah. So there you go. That's So people wondering, why aren't they doing that bus tour? Well, I didn't have enough faith that 300 and some people were going to give me. 55 or, or, No, people. 55 people were going to give me 300 and some dollars. So sorry, but that's We'll surreal. make it a little bit of a smaller, intimate trip yeah. between maybe the three of us yes. and some other listeners. Well, I think Sean Brown wants to go. Oh, he'll be in for sure. Yeah. Although that'll cut in on a pool day. I know a pool weekend because you're missing both the Saturday and Sunday. Sounds like you need a minivan. I might actually take the Friday off and make it a pool day. So I'm all tanned up to go to this thing. We have friends there. You know, people, somebody asked me about what friends you have in the industry. Who? Uh, My my, my friends. And I said, I, I, I didn't want to name names. That was one of the things I I was very careful. I said, listen, he sent it. It was like almost like a mailbag. And I was like, Hey, listen, like, I'm not going to answer this in the mailbag. Just like somebody said, what is your exact job title with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? I, I, I could answer that in the mailbag gladly. When I got hired, they were like, you do about eight things well. We're not going to make you a retail manager. We're not going to make you the concession manager. We're not, but you can do anything. And that's what it, you go there and do. If anybody who knows the Winnipeg Blue Bombers CEO, if you only, if you only have one talent, you're going to get one job. But if you can do six things, you're going to get six jobs. And it, it doesn't matter what they tell you your job is, just go out there and do it. And that's And that was what 
to answer that one, it would have been a terrible answer because I don't have a job title. I don't give business cards out. I just work there. I get paid. I got to go to Great Cup. I get a good deal on on uh, good discount on my on my gimmicks, and I'm happy as heck. And I don't. And we don't sell merch on game days. Or no, sorry, the players don't sign merch on game days. They don't work their own merch. Day. Oh, that's me. We should talk about that Matt Cardona thing. Oh, oh yes. yes. Do, I, do you have it? I, I will look it up. Okay, I have it. If if you want me, yeah, to... pull it up if you got it. Okay, I think give me it... give me two because seconds because he's basically saying you know hey you're an idiot if you show up at a show and you're not out there selling your gimmicks to try to make money and but he did specify on the indie scene right sure that's i think he did say that which is what we're talking about yes at this level okay so what matt cordona cardona said is it cardona or cardova cardona <laughs> i know who by the way why what? doesn't he, he can't go back to zach Ryder or what I think he's trademarked that now, actually. Oh, man. We I'm send sure, a lot uh, of stuff to and, each other. And he's, uh, somebody, a company reached out to him and offered him a deal. I I, I can't say. Exclusive. It. Yeah. And he, he laughed at them and said, I'm not, I make too much money now. Yeah, I'd heard that too. He, he's making so much money in the Indies that he, it, it was like yeah. a national deal. Yeah. Was it not? So yeah. anybody who says like, oh, you can't do well in the Indies or whatever, like he's doing well. He's doing real well. And he, he he's done it right. He and. Did, he and he's from the right. AJ Sanchez camp here. <laughs> I love indie wrestling. I'm the fucking indie god. Sorry to swear, but that's what he said. How can't I? But I'll never understand why there is a single wrestler in the locker room once the doors open before the show starts. Unless you have explosive diarrhea, there is no excuse. And even then, I'd hold it. That is the time to make money and or connect positively or negatively with the audience. If being on first or early on in the show is your excuse, get to the venue effing earlier. This is only my opinion, but I am right. And you know what? He's not wrong, but that doesn't mean that I agree with him. He is right if your only goal is to have that relationship with fans where you say, if you like me, you will give me your money. Keep in mind where he's coming from, he's too. Ma- yeah, he's Matt He's Cardone. also the he's draw. A na- he's exactly. A exactly. On any show he's going to go on. Hey, Jerry Lawler was an unadvertised attraction. Right after the main event in 2008 when we had him in, he was out there selling his, his stuff. And that's what guys do when they accept a booking and they say, hey, pay me $2,000 and I'll be in your town but I get to sell my, my gimmicks and I make extra money. What I am saying is, listen, let the merchandising, work with the company to do the merchandising properly so the company then pays the cost to do the, the, to create the merchandise. And the company says, okay, I'm going to keep 20% of the net profit or 30% of the net profit, or maybe I'm going to keep 70% of the net profit. I'm going to give you 30% of the net profit, but I promise I'm going to invest in that from that net profit. I'm going to invest better ring, better graphics, a better overall company. So we're going to draw instead of 300, 200 people, we're now going to be able to move into a bigger venue because our, our business has way more revenue. All of a sudden that's the pro sports formula that you're taking instead of individual wrestlers merchandising for their money and then you're and then they're cutting you a deal on the payroll you're saying hey let's make the company stronger and more successful so as an entity we all can draw more and more more people means more money coming into the equation that's what i'm actually saying it's a pro sports model as opposed to the independent wrestling model the independent wrestling model it works out that the fans will spend the same amount of money but the money goes to the wrestler the wrestler 
invested in himself, which is good. Or doesn't invest it in himself. Or doesn't, and he takes it as a profit. That's a fine. But the company then can only grow based on what they sell in ticket sales. And then that's it's a survival model as opposed to a model where you're investing to grow your fan base. That's the problem. If you if you if the company has a lot more revenue, they then can spend more on marketing. They then can move to a bigger venue. They then can buy a better ring. They can add light sh- lights and sound to the show. And at the end of the day, that equation means everybody does better. Exactly. WPW right now. Here's a great example. They sold out another show. Minutes. Min- 20 yeah. minutes? 20 minutes. New venue. So it's not even like they're trained to go to one venue. They're trained to love that brand. That brand puts something for sale. They The fans buy it. Now, they agree that wrestlers should sell their gimmicks at the show. But if the company could find a way to monetize the money that the fan base is putting into it and the talent still sees a piece of the profit so they should be happy, the, the talent doesn't have to put the money out, all of a sudden, the retail operation of that business, much more successful, you'll either have investment capital come your way or you'll have sponsorship capital coming your way. You will grow your business. It will become a professional sports model. I can see both sides of it. Like, I can see both sides of... of Matt Cordona what, doesn't care about that because Matt Cordona is in the business of Matt Cordona. Exactly. Well, I can is it see, Cordona I, or Cordova? Card, Cord, let's Cardona. call him Cordova. Cardona. Uh, I can see what you're saying and I can see what some of the indie guys are saying too. I think it really comes down to how it is done. I've got, gone to a lot of indie shows and it's desperation. Oh, yes. It stinks. It stinks of desperation. That's the problem for me. It's not that they're selling their own gimmicks. It's that they're breaking character. They, they're they so desperate. They're almost like barkers out there. We got two here. We got two here. You know, it's almost like they're scalping <laughs> tickets to a show. It's just, it's too desperate. Listen, society where we live, it's not about we, it's about me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So all Matt Cardona, all these other wrestlers, they're thinking about themselves. Now how do they get the money? Their own revenue. What can it do for me? What can I do for myself? They're not thinking about what can I do for the greater good, the company. And, and, Cardo- and that's what it, yeah. that's what it boils down to. Matt Cardona, you think if ABC wrestling brings in Matt Cardona, he gives a flying rip. No. What, what happens with them? No, he wants his two grand and he wants to sit there and sell his gimmicks. Yeah, yeah. hope that helps you draw big so that he can have six hundred people to sell his stuff to. Right, and if he I, cares about him. Yeah, yeah. How, could you imagine the disappointment? You're going to go to a Bon Jovi concert and you get there. The anticipation. That's why they draw it out after they do the the stage s- switch. They don't just have Bon Jovi the music. Okay, and have it just rattle off. No, go have a couple of drinks, but anticipate. Bon Jovi is yeah. going to come out. Could you imagine you get in the building and there's Bon Jovi? Hey guys, come get your picture with me. How about hey, Roman Reigns yeah. and Paul Heyman? Twenty five dollars. Yeah. I'll stand between you and put my arms over you. Yeah. It'll be a great experience. You'll have that picture for life. Hey guys, you want some hot chocolate? But <laughs> when he goes on stage, you've already seen him. Yeah, you've already you've already the the magic is goes down a notch. And, and I've always believed that the biggest pop a wrestler will get, and maybe I'm wrong because maybe this whole interaction leads to the fans popping louder when the guy comes out. But if the guy is, is like, I didn't, I would never want my big names selling before the show because it's a lot of times the big names don't look like they did last time they were on TV. So they already, the people already are adjusted to how he looks, right? So it could be a disappointment. Brutus Beefcake showed up with a beard for crying out loud. Remember that? <laughs> like it, it it's he gave you a nice haircut. Don't go there. Anyway, 
I love the debate. The debate rages on. I'm, and I don't need to be right, except that some entrepreneurial, say it, entrepreneurialistic there you go. person is going to say, how do I turn this into a business? Turning it into a business is generating revenue for the brand and the company first and then paying the talent second, because that's very, very, there should always be, and the NHL CBA does it perfectly. League-wide revenues correlate to salaries, right? So team merchandise on the jerseys. So the jersey says McDavid on the back. Does Connor McDavid get a piece of that action? He actually doesn't. The team gets that. But that drives up league-wide revenues so that Connor McDavid doesn't benefit from that deal, but he doesn't need to. He's the highest paid player in the league. But the low-end player who, because Connor McDavid sold so many jerseys, the low-end player now all of a sudden goes from $850,000 to $900,000 as league minimum. I think it's actually $975,000 now as the league minimum. might be $950,000. But anyway, so Connor Connor McDavid, who does not need more of $12.6 million, he doesn't care because he's a filthy rich person with endorsements, but him, his, the jerseys he has sold drove up the league-wide revenue that led to the salary cap going up. Yeah, That's Mike, his contribution. And you have the promoter point of view, which I understand that point of view, and then the Matt Cardona point of view is the yeah. wrestler point of view. And I get I, that one too. Yeah, for sure. They're both great points of view for me. As a business person, I tend to side with the promoter point of view because I'm all about the overall good and bettering the entire uh, quality of the product, but not everybody feels that way. And Matt Cardona comparing himself to the average indie worker is not a fair comparison. Well, and the the other part of it is, though, in fairness, there's not a lot of promoters that have the money or the vision to say, I'm going to create a line of merchandise on you and you and you and you. Mentolo did it all for himself and he did a good job of it. And every other wrestler is trying their own way of doing that. So because there's not a promoter saying, let's work together. Hey, keep doing it this way. Cause no one's going to change it. And buy t-shirts from your local guys, regardless of what we're talking they about do. here, go out and buy t-shirts from guys. I'm seeing all these guys that have been around for a long time that have not been merchandising, starting to merchandise. Go pick up a shirt at the show. Help hey, them out. I'm going to go get a $60 stuffy for Mentolo next time. If he's got any left next time, there's a CWE show. I'm going to go make sure that I go. And I think he'll have another drop if he doesn't yeah. already. Anyways, are we ready to move along? Great yes. conversation. All right. It is time now for the Mary Brown's mailbag. Mary Brown's chicken. Crave delicious. Crave Canadian. Who has 14 Manitoba locations? Mary Brown's chicken. Who only uses Manitoba chicken? Mary Brown's chicken. And who only uses Manitoba grown potatoes hand cut in store? I bet you've already guessed. Even Mary Brown's coleslaw is made fresh in store from whole carrots and cabbage. Download Mary Brown's app today and take advantage of money-saving deals and even a secret menu. You can order ahead to get your Mary Brown's faster. Mary Brown's chicken. Crave delicious. Two questions in the mailbag this week. Let's get right into it, gents. Of course, you can get your questions on by going to our social medias, uh, that being Facebook, Be She's Wrestling, Instagram, Be She's Wrestling, Twitter is still total B she's and our email total B she's at gmail.com. This one coming in to the email from Nick Manos. He asks Andrew Shellcross promoted PCW from 2002 to present, though he is on a break now. It seems, do you have any favorite Andrew Shellcross stories? Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> What's yours, Chris? 
Uh, yeah, he, ours might take a little bit of time. Yeah, I don't have anything like that's super groundbreaking. He was always a super funny guy to be around. And when I was there, he wanted to do a lot of vignettes with me, which was a way of kind of hiding that I wasn't very good. So we but do, also getting your character over. Exactly. So he was really committed to that. So we did a lot of different vignettes. One where I, I kidnapped Dave Dixon and I literally screamed up in my Honda Accord, got out, sprayed him in the eyes with, with what was supposed to be mace, but was actually just computer error. <laughs> and then threw him in the back of the car and peeled out and ripped off. And they filmed me driving down Portage. And Dave Dixon was legitimately in the back of my car saying, slow down, slow down. Because I just I literally threw him in. I didn't buckle him in. I just threw him in head first. And so that was kind of my favorite Andrew memory because he came up with that like from soup to nuts. And he's like, he's like, once you get him in the car, I want you to really goose it. Like I want, I want him to be really scared. That would have been great if you got a ticket. <laughs> yeah, that would have been amazing. <laughs> Actually would have got the angle over more. Uh, what about you guys? Uh, mine, I, I was Andrew's first business partner in the wrestling game. So I have a few. Um, my favorite one that I can think of off the top of my head was um, Boiling Point 2002 at the Can West Global Ballpark, which is now Shaw Park. The one that we got for free? Yeah, the gold, uh, Hank Ross. <laughs> Uh, how about zero boys <laughs> until it's $7,000 the day before. Yeah. And we you went saw from, Hank. Yes, I did. I saw him at bootlegger. Oh wow! <laughs> He's oh. buying all his, his nice plaid shirts his or skinny jeans, Hank Ross. We could do a whole episode on, um, but we went from profitability to a slight loss the night that night when the day before we got a bill for $7,000, we thought it was going to be 2000 after it was supposed to be zero when we booked it. Anyway, so um, there had been a bit of a situation with Bob Holiday where we had Eddie Guerrero in in March of that year, and then he debuted with WWE and showed up for their house show against, I don't remember who he was wrestling. And he was in the main event, and I had contacted the guy we'd booked Eddie through and said, Eddie's going to be in Winnipeg. And so we were, so we were told, hey, yeah, if you can connect with him, Eddie's looking forward to seeing you. So we went down to the security checkpoint at the Winnipeg Arena, and we slipped our business card and said, Eddie, no, we know Eddie Guerrero, and he's expecting us. And um, we were told five minutes later, you're not getting, no, he doesn't, he says he doesn't know who you are. And I was like, that's impossible. We worked with him six weeks ago. Like, there's no way he does not know who we are. And we saw Bob Holiday walking out with the card in his hand. So we knew the card got to Bob, but probably not to Eddie. So, and we had had a problem with Bob, and I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but we had a slight problem with Bob not six weeks before at commencement <laughs> of cool when he sat there and I was giving a finish to Honky Tonk and Beef Kick that worked very well in front of the live audience. It was Steve Stryker who gave me the idea of the finish, and Bob just sat there and kind of snickered at us and shook his head at Honky, who didn't like the idea, but they did it. It worked. So we kind of thought maybe Bob shouldn't be around the shows because he's kind of disruptive in the back. So we had made a decision that Bob Holiday was not going to be allowed in the back no more. And we were going to stick to that and come hell or high water. <laughs> so we get to the ballpark and Doug Lonnie is on the show and he's very close to Bob Holiday. And Andrew gets in touch with me and he says, Bob Holiday's in the dressing room. And so I said, meet me in the hallway and we'll talk. And I said, what do you want to do? I want to kick the old man out. <laughs> okay, go, go kick him out. So Andrew goes in, piece of shit, get out. You're, he was a lot nicer about it, but he went up quietly, said, Bob, you're not welcome here. You got to leave. And Bob's like, excuse me? Yeah, you're not welcome here. Well, I'm friends with Hawk. Nope, 
get out and so he said well, can i say goodbye so bob goes over and plays like the victim victimized old man and he says to hawk yeah they're kicking me out of the back they want me to leave the show and hawk looks at andrew and says what here he goes i go <laughs> and so andrew comes to me we've got a problem what if bob holiday's out then hawk's out huh hawk's gonna leave with him and i think animal might too now, me thinking now, we should have said, ladies and gentlemen, Legion of Doom were in the building. They've decided to leave. They're unprofessional. Kept the money. <laughs> we would have profited. But I didn't want to see LOD leave. Like, they were there to see it. There's a thousand people there. So now I have to go in and be the baby face. And I go up to, and Andrew's like, thing about Andrew is he's hard. Like, he, he'll stick to his guns on anything. So Andrew's like, we're going to kick him out. And so I go in and I uh, say, Bob, you can stay. Nope, I don't want to cause any trouble. And now he's yeah. now he's the yeah. martyr. He knows Hawk's going to leave with him. So he's like, no, you want me out. I'm going to leave. No, Bob, I want you to stay. Nope, nope. And <laughs> I, I wish Andrew had popped him because he he's making us beg for him to stay so the Hawk stays. So that was that was the story. Bob Holiday was going to get evicted, ejected from the locker room at our show. And Andrew, to his credit, was the man to do it. That was, that was a good one. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Moving right along. No, you didn't oh, tell yours. You didn't tell yours yet. No, I didn't. All right, <laughs> go ahead. I Mike told enough for all of us, but that's I mean, true. that's a good story. I realized I should have told the story of where we told Sam Cates <laughs> that we're not taking the deal, but that's another story. That's, for, that's when someone asked what Hank Ross, <laughs> yeah. Hank Ross contribution. Um, my favorite Andrew story, I would say, um, I believe it was the match. Was it me wrestling you? Yes. So... Mike and I were booked in soon an, after this last story. It was like yeah. less than less so, than two weeks. September, weeks, yeah. At the back to school bash in two thousand and two for PCW, and it was me against Mike Davidson for I believe control of the company. Yes, and, and Andrew Shellcross, special guest referee. So I had a fighting chance. Yes. So Mike and I were at I believe we were at odds. Right, you were the babyface Booker, and I was the heel, the top heel. And Shellcross was the special referee, so um, looked like... Basically to stop the match if I was getting killed. Yeah. But, I mean, angle alert, he's wearing a white <laughs> dress shirt. He's got a ref. White shirt, black <laughs> pants. So, um, anyways, so we were doing... I can't even... We, we didn't even wrestle the match. No. I, I can't remember what happened, it but... We drew a house... Yeah, we had a full um, house there. Yeah, so what the angle was that I'm going to turn. Yeah. So we decided what we're going to do is we're going to get in the ring, look like we're about to go, and then mm -hmm. we're going to turn on him together. How? But how did we do it? I'm trying to remember how we did it. Don't I slap or no? Don't I slap him or something? And then he looks at me, and in the interim, you come at him with the chair. It initially looks yeah. like I'm brushing him off so I can fight you. Yeah, we have video of it. I can't remember I, what exactly I, yes. happened. But the long and the short of it is what happened was... Um, Shawcross got pummeled, pummeled, pummeled yeah. badly. Yeah. And he said to me in the back, because this was a very realistic angle. He said to me, you need to punch me for real. Yeah. Because if you don't, the crowd will know it's an angle. Like, I mean, I'm sure they know it's an angle. He, the know, crowd knew he was a tough guy cause he worked at the bar as a bouncer. Yeah. So he wanted it to look and feel real. And we were, you know, we were blurring the lines. And again, this is over 20 years ago now, right? So, um, and I said to Andrew, I go, Andrew, I, I just don't feel right about hitting somebody as hard as I can in the face with a closed fist. Like, I I will hurt you with it. And he goes, I'm a bouncer. I've been punched before. It's no problem. <laughs> Believe me, it's no problem. I'm like, okay. So we're in there. 
And then we do the we do the the match or the quote unquote match, and then I punched him, and I I I didn't hit him with a hundred percent power. I hit him with probably eighty to eighty five, and I kind of it was a closed fist, but it was like a glancing, like I didn't hit him in the side of the head because I was yeah. I was worried. I was but he scared. was unprotected because he he was taking a shot for wrestling, yeah. so he didn't protect himself. I also knocked him out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he said to me after the fact, he goes. Holy shit! I you can punch yeah. right. So, and then we broke a plastic glass over his head. Yeah, we broke a plastic glass over his head, and he had a blade, and he cut his, and he took. That a bunch was after of, a chair shot. Yes, he cut a, he cut his head, or yeah. well, sorry, I should back up. He had a bunch of aspirin. Yeah, before to thin his blood and yeah. drank some beer. Right. So then he he cut his head open, and we showed him how to cut yeah. his head open, and then it didn't. The blood wasn't he coming didn't right. Think away. He got a flow. So yeah. Right? So then um, he cut the other side. <laughs> of his head but he open. gouged in because he wanted him to do it right. Yeah. Right. But it still didn't flow. So he went back to the original. <laughs> oh my god. Cut himself a third time. Well, right when he did that, the first hole started leaking. Yeah, it takes a second. And then the second <laughs> hole. And then the third. He bled immensely. So yeah. he was like, it was gruesome. Yeah. So and I should actually tweet a picture. Yeah. We should put a picture up on our social media. We'd have to put that. a disclaimer on it because it was brutal. Yeah, he was he was covered. And then when it healed, like for a couple of weeks, he had like these cuts on his head and it looked like devil's horns yeah. over his eyebrows. He looked like James Mitchell <laughs> yeah. did. He looked, it was amazing. But he kept getting up. Yeah, we told him stay Because down. he was kind of delirious from yeah. the amount of blood he was losing. <laughs> and I said to him, I said, Andrew, when you get up, I need to put you back down. Stay down. Right? And finally... He went down, but this, and actually watching the video back. When he gets we, helped out, doesn't he? No, no. When we had left the ring, he was, he got helped out, but he was like kind of celebrating. <laughs> and I'm like, you and I should have went back out there and <laughs> beat the shit out of him right there in the ring. Yeah, we killed him and he, and he still wanted the baby face pop. But that was my favorite moment. A real trooper took one for the team that night. All right. Another one in our, to our Gmail from, this has got to be a fake name, Darrier Charisma. No, he's a real wrestler, actually. Um, he asks... Who in AEW has been the biggest impact player in ring contribution wise over the course of time? So yeah, over the whole course, of, it's not a long standing company, so we might as well just do the whole course mm. of the company. Okay, biggest uh, contrib contributor. Uh, I, let me start on this one. I'm just going to go for the one that everybody's thinking, Chris Jericho. I think he legitimized them. Interesting being choice. The, the first big name they signed. First champion. He was the first champion. He was the guy that. Once he signed, he legitimized them so other guys would take it seriously. So I would go with Chris Jericho simply simply for that, just for his name value. Maybe not necessarily his in-ring, although it's been fine. You want to go next or sure. you want me to sure. go? Sure. I mean, I agree with you 100% there, but in an, in an effort to not be the same, uh, I'll go MJF. God damn, guys. Yeah, that's... I think MJF's yeah. done as far as his promo work. Took my guy. Um, and as far as... When you look at wrestling, you have to look at moments created. And I think MJF has created more yeah. moments with different people in the past. So I would say, you know, yeah, his work has been good. His matches have been good. I think he's a bit flat right now. Yeah, because yep. they booked him terrible as champion. But I would say uh, my choice would be That's MJF. a great, great choice. So let's be realistic here. The guy should have been Kenny Omega, but he's been booked so badly, and he had an injury, and he missed uh, six, eight, nine months. What about the Young Bucks? Yeah. No. 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 No? No, they don't do it for me. 
Me neither. And everyone will say John Moxley because him jumping was big for the company and he's one of the most pushed stars. No. I'm going to go against everything I believe. Your buddy Hangman Page? Adam Page. Orange Cassidy has been a huge contributor that, that, for All Elite. That is a fair... He was not supposed... And I, did, I picked this when you picked MJF because that was my guy. But uh, Orange Cassidy was zero to hero and he's carried it the whole time. He's not been in any bad angles. He is the guy. And Jericho, actually, getting back to your point, Chris, Jericho was largely responsible for that with that mimosa yeah. match he did with Orange Cassidy. I hated that, that match, but... We hated it, yeah. but that put him on the map as a guy who's like not just a gimmick. He's a threat. He can actually wrestle. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's Orange Cassidy. That's a great one. So there's our two questions from the Mary Brown mailbag this week. Mike... Now let's go to Billy Red Lions with the events. I mean, Mecca Shane Madison with the event center. Okay, the event center. Here's what's coming up here locally in the Manitoba area. Canadian Wrestling's Elite has a couple shows coming up. Saturday, May 27th at the Steinbeck Pat Porter Living Center. They're back on Friday, June 2nd in Lorette at the Community Center. And then they have a big tour coming up June 7th to June 10th with the masterpiece Chris Masters, former WWE superstar. For more information, you can check out at cwe.canada on Instagram. Winnipeg Pro Wrestling just came off a big uh, sold-out show. They have another sold-out show. If you didn't get tickets, you're too late, but you might be able to win them to 90 on 92 City FM. Their next show is July the 28th. It's called Blue Crushed. We'll be featuring Jody Threat, Silesia Sparks, and many more. You can check them out on Instagram at WPGPRO. Primo's Wrestling has a busy June coming up. They are in Swan River on Friday, June the 2nd. Saturday, June 3rd, they're in Roblin, Manitoba. Sunday, June 4th, they're in Flin Flon. And then they cap that tour off with a Friday, June 9th, Hangover at Houston's in Brandon, Manitoba. Uh, they'll be bringing some names in, I would imagine, in the next uh, several months. You can check them out on Instagram at Primo's Wrestling WPG. And then finally, Rob Stardom will be having his uh, Wrestling for a Cause show. That will go down on Saturday, June 3rd in Gimli at the Pavilion Park. And that is your event center. And if you want your event on the event center, get at us on social media or send us an email, totalbshees at gmail.com. Include your name uh, and a poster and the card rundown. And let's not forget, featured on Primos is none other than Tyler James. Oh, yes. Show yes. favorite. Show favorite. show favorite. He doesn't like us, but boy, do we like him. Yeah, we love what he's doing. And Tony Candelo's show you. He needs to keep yeah, mentioning that doing. again next July 15th. And for some reason, that show keeps showing up. Should on we my... get Tyler James shirts? I think we should all get Tyler James shirts. Does he have shirts? Does he have merch? I don't know. I'm, well, I'm the one who normally looks it up, so I don't know why I'm asking you guys. <laughs> I don't know. I've never been to a Primo's show. I've never bought a wrestler's shirt. I don't even think even a big name. Really? That's how have we not talked about that? Like, I, I I maybe have bought company shirts, but I don't think oh, I've I, ever. Before we go, then favorite wrestler shirt <laughs> of all time, all time. I I know exactly what mine is. A wrestler shirt, wrestler's or shirt, like a, an an individual wrestler. Like it could have been or a company a or a tag released team it. or a yeah. I'm saying like NWO. Does that count? Sure. Yeah, you can go with that. Okay. NWO. 
I, I'm going with Chris Candido, No Gimmicks Needed. It was my favorite t-shirt. I had one. I actually had even, this was not even in the infancy of the internet, but to order it, I had to fill out a piece of paper and mail it off to New Jersey to get it. I've never been was able to Was that an find ECW shirt? XPW. It said XPW on the back. So I ordered, and I still have, the original ECW shirt with the puffy, the puff letters, the yeah. puff ink. And I also ordered a BWO shirt <laughs> from ECW. And I had Lee's to, world order. Yes, just like you. I had to go to the bank and get a money order. That's what it was. Yeah, I remember it was like a whole thing. Yeah, and I had to write on there, uh, blah, 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 extra large BWO, extra large ECW shirt. And uh, they sent it to me in a little envelope. And I had no idea if I was ever going to see that money ever again. But it showed up. It showed up. And now later we learn it was Tommy Dreamer or Devon packaging these T-shirts and all this stuff. So that was pretty cool. I still have that envelope somewhere. I was pretty big into collecting wrestling T-shirts. I stopped for a little while. I have bought a few recently. I should actually go through all my wrestling T-shirts. I do have a Dave Meltzer shirt that we can yes, show. Yes, we've got to put that up in the studio. Yes, that that needs to be hung up here because uh, he's, he's Mike's guy. Me is these? <laughs> Mine would be Macho Man Randy Savage. Simple. The glasses? Yeah. yeah. Purple glasses. The best ever. I like that shirt. There we go. Another week in the books. Mike, take us home. I already did. Macho Man Randy Savage. Well, the boss called me up and said, come in to work. I just hung up on that slave driving jerk. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. Well, you'd think I'd rather be sweating on a dock or watching somebody use a hammerlock. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, I love to watch the missing link bang his head on a corner post and the rumper bumper butt butt delivered by the Iceman. The Freebirds, Roberts, Hayes, and Gardy, but what I like the most is Kerry delivering the Iron Claw as only the Vaughn Erics can? Well, the boss called again, said it's time and a half. You'll come in tonight, and I just had to laugh. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, my girlfriend called, and friend, she could be a model for Fredericks of Hollywood, but she was hassling, really hassling. Said I could come over early and stay real late, but I told her, honey, if we have a date, we're going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Kevin Von Eric, when he's really high and flying, I like to see Ric Flair, but he's out there strutting. Andre the Giant must be seven foot nine. Well, I wouldn't miss this for a dozen girls, and I wouldn't miss this for nothing. I said, honey, I hope you ain't hurt. She said, I'm putting on my wrestling shirt. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, last night I dreamed my life was over. There was golden streets and fields of clover, and the lights, they were dazzling. I looked for old St. Peter at the pearly gates. I found a note that said, I won't be too late. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. 
S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. There's gentleman Chris Adams with his super kick in place. Young Mike Von Erich with his own iron claw. And I'll never forget the classic matches of the 70s and 80s. Two champions, Harley Race and David Von Erich. St. Peter told me as he let me in, from now on every Monday and Friday, Glenn, we're going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Boy, if I'd known this was going to happen, I wouldn't have bought those advanced tickets. By the way, St. Pete, are you sure these wings will fit in a ringside seat? Is Fritz coming up here anytime soon?